everybody. Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. And I'm back. Actually, we're both back, <laughs> which is terrifying for you. Happy 2022, Gordon. Sure. We'll go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly correct. What, us cynical? Not us, man. We're, we're right down and planted. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, yes. We believe everything that we see on television or on the internet. Speaking of. Speaking of, yes. Let's talk about one of the most favorite January internet photography expositions. Exposition, a fine word. It is another a fine, fine word. word for our episode today. So today we want to talk about prime lenses. And zoom lenses. And for those of us who are old like me, we used to call these fixed focal length lenses. I don't know where the term prime came from. I was just about to ask you that. Where did that come from? <coughs> I don't know. I didn't make it up. It's a fixed focal length lens. It is. I don't know what makes it prime. Although uh, another member of the camera club did describe it as a a two-legged zoom lens. Well, <laughs> all lenses need to be two-legged <laughs> zoom lenses. Because that's a problem with zoom lenses. Well, that's the problem with everything. Right? So... I guess the first big myth slash question um, I want to throw out there is this concept that primes are always sharper than zooms. Is it true? Um, not in the current state of the art, I don't think. Yeah, and I think that's a really good answer. Certainly in the olden days, that would be the 80s, <laughs> there, was a, there were a plethora of zoom lenses from a variety of different makers, or maybe, you know, six makers, one of whom made that same lens with 300,000 different brand names. And um, optically, they were... Uh, Less than desirable? I was going to try to go with poor. Okay. To try to keep the language clean, <laughs> rather than express my honest <laughs> scientific assessment. But yes, less than optimal will work. But to your point, I don't think it's so true now. So it's true that zoom lenses are going to be more complex from a construction perspective, you know, in terms of the number of lenses and elements and the number of groups. And some might conclude that that makes them less sharp. I'm not sure that that isn't necessarily true. I think it would vary from lens to lens. Um, but the more important question is, can you see it? And if you can't see it, is it Does a problem? It I, I suspect there are those who can't see it. Um, 
what, zoomed into 700% with their nose well, how, inch how, from the screen? However they wish to do it. But, but, but I, <clears throat> I think for the general population that we deal with, and, and I'm including good photographers, I think probably not. And I think that that is generally fair. If we leave the pixel peeping folks out of the equation... Yes, I mean, that, that's, that's a whole different kettle of fish. And we think about things in the context of reasonable or respectable proper viewing distance. I'm not sure that you can actually see a difference. If everything else is well executed. Right. I think camera shake is going to contribute to more lack of sharpness than a lens design issue. Now, if your fixed focal length lens costs $2,000 and your zoom costs 6 bucks, you probably want to take that into account as well. Yep. Or the other way around, for that matter. Uh, yes, that would uh, apply too. Because there are zoom lenses that easily run into five figures, and they are optically quite superb. So, what's the next one you want to talk about? Um, oh, yeah, the, 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 the thing that everybody throws into this, uh, uh, just going off the list that I have here, is uh, well, we talked about the shopper image, uh, but following on the shopper image, is, uh, they talk about maybe better quality, which is really the same as a shopper image, I guess. But everybody talks about the depth of field. I'm going to get this really nice bokeh. And, uh, so Excuse I'm, me while I throw up in a bucket. Well, yeah, don't, because I just came inside. And then yeah. <laughs> Only because I've heard that word recently, like this week, used to describe something that was not bokeh. <laughs> but that's not uncommon. Um. And, and and even even with the lenses that I have, um, I, I'll use them as an example. I have uh, I shoot Olympus, so a crop factor of two. I have a twelve to a hundred millimeter zoom, which is twenty four to two hundred, and I have a forty to one fifty, which is eighty to three hundred. And every now and again, I, I look at something and I say, "Oh, this is this is nice. I, I've got uh, I, I've got really good uh, shallow depth of field out here." And okay, and I question whether I'm getting the same thing with my other lens. But I think the point I wanted to raise is that maybe you can answer because I don't have an answer to this. Is but shouldn't an F 5.6 be an f5.6 uh, on a hundred millimeter no matter what the lens is the yeah absolutely uh, and 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 I too heard this um, <coughs> just this week the illusion that a 200 yes fixed focal length had different i.e. better, depth of field than a 
70 to 200, 28. Same subject, same camera to subject distance, same focal length, 200 and 200. In this case, talking it, shooting at f2.8. Right. That's math. There's no difference. Well, that's that's the way I thought about it. But uh, I I can't I can't for the love of me say why somebody would come up with that statement. I don't know. I mean, scientifically, there's no reason for it. There's no data to sustain that. Perhaps, perhaps they're operating under the illusion that primes are always better than zooms, and they're looking for stuff to fill in the blanks. But don't know. From a data-driven perspective, it's factually untrue. Um, and on the subject of this, one thing that we should think about that I think folks notice but may, may not be aware of. When we have a zoom lens and we zoom it to its maximum focal length, 70 to 200, mm -hmm. 100 to 400, the bigger number. Right. And we bring that lens physically close to the subject. Right. To its closest focal point. Yes. There is a mechanical event that happens where that lens may not in fact be acting as a 200 anymore. Okay. It actually starts to foreshorten. Okay. So it might actually be giving you the same angle of view, mm -hmm. because I don't like to talk about millimeters. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. I may be giving you an angle of view that is slightly greater than you expect it. So appearing okay. like a shorter focal length. Okay. So you've got the zoom set at 200, but you are literally at the closest focus point. Right. And it's actually giving you the angle of view of maybe a 185 or a 190. Okay. And I have seen documented evidence, particularly with less expensive zooms, sometimes third parties, where the manufacturer has worked really hard to keep that lens very small. Okay. And very compact. And at that closest focus point, there's a significant change in angle of view, an increase by as much as one-third okay. over what's expected. So if we use this in the context of our 70 to 200 at the closest focus point, it doesn't provide the angle of view of a 200. It could be as low, you know, as a 140 okay. in terms of angle of view. Right. But that is such an odd exception and lens-specific I'm not going to say that it's going to, in the normal world, that we're going to see any difference in depth of field. Okay. However, that can happen. And maybe that's part of where some of this myth comes from. So I'm being perhaps generous in the context of a rare, rare event. Right. So for all uh, intents and purposes, then, a... Any set of glass uh, of of equal quality, focused at the same distance, using the same angle of view or focal length, if you wish to call it that, 
or and the same f-stop should give you the same depth of field as anything else that's available. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. And if we look at optics tables, we're going to find that that's true. Okay. So I think one of the other things that we hear from people about primes was, oh, no, you want a prime lens because it's optically faster. Has a larger maximum f-stop. Oh, yes, the good old maximum mode. Yes. I must have a whatever. And absolutely, you will find primes that can be purchased with larger maximum f-stops than you do in zooms. Because to make a large maximum f-stop requires really big glass. Mm-hmm and as few elements as possible. Okay. has to be a fairly simple lens, um, whereas zooms are fairly complex in terms of design. But then I have to ask, what for? Mm -hmm. And we had sort of touched on this uh, in a previous podcast. (coughs) uh, I think the what what for is is a big point. If, as I see it, if you're shooting low light, maybe something on a stage with erratic lighting and you you need a fast shutter speed and you need to be able to get as much light as possible, okay, if that's your gig, uh, sure. Yeah, then fair enough. But the point you're making, though, is that you're using the lens most of the time. <coughs> At its maximum aperture. Right. For that shoot. Yeah, or in general. Like, okay. So, I'll give you an example. We've, we, I was involved in a conversation with someone who was asserting that they would never use a zoom on their new Canon R6. Um, and Canon zoom is a 24 to 105 Okay. F4, that I think is this, the, I won't call it the kit lens because it's a really good lens. And they said, no, 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 no. That's going to be completely inadequate. I'm going to get the 50 millimeter F1.2. Right. Okay, fair enough. So you're going to shoot at 1.2. Yep. A lot. Oh, no. I typically shoot at F8. Okay. So the struggle is, why are you spending money for an optically faster lens you're not using? Mm-hmm. And then, which then begets the question, if I'm going to get a zoom lens, let's use something in the 70 to 200 space. Okay. I can get a really good 70 to 200 F4 mm-hmm. for around $1,000. Mm-hmm. I can get a 2.8, one entire stop faster, mm-hmm. for only 2.8 times that price. Yep. About $2,800. Right. For that, I get a lens that's bigger, and that has more weight. Mm-hmm. So unless I'm shooting it at 2.8 all the time, what am I getting? Well, yeah, you, as, I, as I look at it, you haven't, you haven't gained anything. Um, no. 
I, I, I concur. You're not getting a better glass. You're not getting better pictures. Because to your point, once you're at five six or F four in this example, right. depth of field's the same. Yep. You're not gonna be able to see a sharpness difference. Nope. So why worry, except in the situation that you talked about, where the majority of your shooting is going to be at that maximum aperture. Right. And if it's not, that zoom lens is going to be potentially more flexible to, I think, your next point. Right. Because if all I've got is a 50, right. if I want a different angle of view, I have to move. Yep. But if I had a 24-105 or the 12 to 100 that you have, as an example, mm -hmm. what does that enable you to do? You minor, minor steps in one direction or the other gives you a whole new compositional uh, ability, uh, which you probably don't have uh, with a single focal length lens. Well, of course you don't. Because you're not able to change the angle of view as much as you can in a zoom lens. Yep. Even if you change your position nominally, right. the zoom is still going to give you a lot more flexibility. Right. And that's also going to mean something. And you alluded to this, I think, uh, prior to us starting. If I need the range of a 12 to 100 to do the kind of shooting I do, mm -hmm. I have a couple of choices. I can go with a 12 to 100, or what's my alternative? Um, three or four others. Right, <laughs> buy a bag of lenses. And then waste time in between changing those lenses, mm -hmm. because invariably by the time you get the new lens on, uh, you don't want it anymore. No, the so thing that you want to photograph is... Moved on. Moved on. It's left. It's gone to another galaxy. So what am I getting? And the opportunity to spend more money. Oh, no, I could get primes. They're relatively inexpensive compared to a Zoom. Yeah, right until you need five of them. Right. And at that point, not only have you spent the money equivalently, you still have nothing in between. You have to change them, as you say. And what good are you, are they, if you're not carrying them with you because of the additional burden and the weight? Right. The, um, I've heard you alluded to the fact that uh, a lens with a maximum uh, aperture of, say, 1.2 versus, um, I don't know, 5 to 6.3, whatever, um, when you're trying to focus the, the, since you're focusing at the widest aperture, your lens and the image you're trying to focus on appears brighter. Is that realistic or? Oh yeah. It, well, it, it is brighter to the autofocus system. Okay. Right. Because you're feeding it more data. Okay. Are you getting better autofocus? 
depends on how much light there is. Like sure. If you're in really, really poor light, and the exposure value in the scene is down minus two, minus three, right? Sure, feeding it more light is going to be it's a better thing for the autofocus. Sure. But if it's bright, then it doesn't matter. And in fact, the lens whose maximum aperture is five six versus the lens whose maximum aperture is one point two may actually focus quicker. Okay. Why why is that? Because the default depth of field ah. at five six is greater than the default right. okay. depth of field at one four. Now you could say, well, it's not quite as accurate. Depth of field is depth of field. Is depth of field. It solves many problems, in fact. Sure. What else you got? Well, so from what, from what we've said so far, it seems like really the only the only situation where uh, uh, lens with a major well, aperture is good in low light situations for for a number of reasons, but. Beyond that, in terms of the compositional aspects, in terms of uh, carrying the, the amount of the, they talk about it being cheap because it's a lens is more simple in its construction. The lens may be cheaper, but I'm not sure that's true. If you compare 1.8 to a 1.2, that's no longer true. No, it's not true. Um, you're, you're carrying five lenses instead of one. And I think the the advantages that they talk about uh, have disappeared. The one thing I am looking at, though, that that where the a fixed lens uh, is to your advantage, maybe in situations where you are photographing in a controlled situation and you are only going to use one lens. Oh, like a studio. Like a studio. Oh, then there is a value. There, there is a value proposition. Because it's simpler, if you tilt the camera, there's no chance of zoom creep. You know, that, right. like on a push-pull zoom, for example. Yes. Um, less likelihood you're going to knock something out of alignment. But to be frank, if all you're trying to do is maintain angle of view, you could lock a down-and-zoom lens. And I know a lot of folks who switch to 2470s or 24105s or something like that. Right. Instead of going with a 24, 35, a 50, an 85, mm -hmm. and a 100, even in the studio, because of speed. Right. The ability of the point you made earlier to change your com your compositional goal without having to change a bunch of kit mm -hmm. or make your talent wait. Right. Um, so I don't think it's, I don't think the differences are as great if you're not moving and nothing else is moving. Right. Um, but I don't think that makes the zoom bad. Uh, you may still like to use a prime, and that's perfectly okay. That's your choice. <coughs> Excuse me. One place, though, that I will say that a prime is going to be your best option is close-up and macro. Right. Because... A true macro lens will do one times life size. Yes. And that's incredible. It's also hard work. Yeah. It's got to be super stable and you've got to get your focus bang on because your depth of field is going to be 
Almost non-existent. Yeah, almost zero. It's going to literally be a flat plane. And there are folks who are unintentionally misled by marketing material that says, well, you don't need that because it's a macro zoom. Right. But it's not. No, it's... It's a zoom that will focus closer than normal, whatever that means. But from a life-size perspective, that zoom lens is never going to get closer than one-quarter life-size. Right. And that may be fine. For what most people do, yes, because it, it, it actually physically is more difficult to get below that one-quarter uh, one life-size. Oh yeah, I think you got to be on a tripod, and you've got to control your lighting. It's it's a pain. Uh, I I've, I've tried to uh, various things and trying to get that lens to one to one. Uh, no, it's not happening because that depth of field, to your point, is so razor thin. You're actually having to move the camera. Yes, more than this the. the and that's why macro focusing rails exist. Yes, I was just about to say. So I enter enter the macro focusing rail. Right. Oh wait, that's more gear. <laughs> that costs more money. Right. That you've got to carry or or do whatever. And if you've got any kind of movement, like let's say you're outside, there's always enough wind. Oh yeah. That... You're not going to get to a life size line of flower. No. And a bug. Yeah, forget that. <laughs> they got things well, to do. They they got things to do, and they don't like the camera coming close to them. So you know, forget that. Things to do, people to bite. No. <laughs> and I have to think that even if you say, "Well, I would like to get closer," we have an option that will work with both mm -hmm. fixed focal length lenses and with zoom lenses. Yes, that's very inexpensive. Called the extension tube. Yes. Will it necessarily get you to one to one? Maybe not. Depends on the lens. Depends on the tube size. But it will get you closer. Yes. And that may be enough for whatever your use cases are. Right. And uh, you you had raised the problem and uh, the the issue uh, the the same issue that uh, the, the statement is made that macro that. Uh, Prime lenses will focus closer. And so I shoot Olympus. And I, I am astounded at how close their lenses will focus. Mm -hmm. So the, the same um, uh, 40 to 150, uh, it close, it, for what I'm shooting, it focuses at a ridiculously close distance. Right. And my 12 to 100 will focus in, uh, I think it's like less than six inches. And that's probably... Plenty. In many cases, all you're ever going to need. Now let's go the other way that you brought up. Wildlife photography. Right. At what point... Is the zoom less useful than a prime? Uh, there, there are numbers actually. Uh, 
I I went out. Uh, I have been out on occasion with uh, my three hundred F four, which also, by the way, I mean it, it. It can be used as a macro lens because it focuses ridiculously close, without you having to stand on the grid on the thing you're focused. Yeah, you're you're a distance away, but uh, I mean, in terms of, it's like focusing down about maybe two feet away from you, and it's ridiculous. But I have some images uh, of birds that I had stood in the cold and waited for for an hour. The that decided to fly, and literally before I could react, because I had only one one focal length, that before I could react, it was it was out of the frame. Mm-hmm. So maybe in that situation, having a lens that I could zoom out with, uh, same location but uh, wider depth of field, and if you've got a sharp lens, which the Olympus lenses are then, okay, uh, you're not as close as you want to be, but you can crop those images down like there's no tomorrow. And uh, a, a fixed lens, a fixed length lens may not do it in, in those situations. It might not. Now I'll give you a scenario where it might. That's when the light gets really bad. Yes. Or when you need really, really long glass. Okay. Like you have the advantage of shooting Olympus, so that's 300 f4. Yep. In terms of angle of view, it's like a 600. Yes. On a full frame, air yes. quotes, full mm-hmm. frame camera. It's quite a bit lighter. Oh, it's a whole heap lighter. And it does a terrific job. But it's f4. Mm hmm. Which means it will work in fairly crap light. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a 500 F4, which you have seen me mm-hmm. cart, because it needs a cart. Mm-hmm. It's a monster. But again, what if I'm not shooting at F4? Then maybe I could get by with something like one of the very popular 150 to 600s yep. that... You know, at 600, the max aperture is f6.3. Right. On a modern sensor, with modern autofocus, I may not be losing anything. Mm -hmm. Right? Except weight. Yes. And I may be gaining flexibility. Because the zoom gives me choices. Mm -hmm. The critter starts to move, I could back off the zoom so I could find it again. Right where it would be different. And here's a very, very specific example. Okay, I am in the African savanna at night Okay, trying to photograph leopards. Okay. Because I don't come out in the daytime. Yep. They also don't like people. Well, I actually find them quite tasty, but (laughs) in general. So at that point, yeah, I might need an 800. And I'm not going to find a good zoom that goes to 800 on that that full frame, as an example. Right. And I'm not going to find a zoom that's going to have the light gathering power of 5.6 at 800. 
So if I'm, that's the thing I have to do, and I have the $20,000 to spend on that lens. Right. Maybe that's the thing. Or maybe I could shoot that Sigma or Tamron 150 to 600 mm-hmm. at 6.3, mm-hmm. half a stop darker, mm-hmm. but crop in a little bit mm-hmm. because the sensors are really good and the lenses are really good and not know the difference. Right. So I think it's a question of choice. For me, <clears throat> even though I love wildlife photography, and I've been on the safari, I'd take a 150 to 6. Because, A, I can't afford an 800. Right. To rent it and the insurance would be enormous. Plus, the damn thing needs to be on a really heavy tripod. Like, I know there are people who say they can handhold that. Good for them. I'm not one of them. I can't handhold my 500. And as I'm getting... Advanced? In tenure. <laughs> I'm not sure I can handhold my 400 F4 anymore. For any length of time. Right. Like I'm setting up on something. Maybe for a snapshot. I could pull it in, lock focus, and grab a few frames. Sure. But I'm not going to be holding that up for an extended period of time. No. You know, I mean, I think about it when we've gone to photograph air shows. My go-to lens is a 100 to 400 with a 1.4 times teleconverter. Yep. It goes on the camera. And once those aircraft are in the air, I don't ever change the lens. No. In fact, I probably never change the angle of view either. I leave it out at 400 and away we go. <coughs> you find the same thing? Absolutely. Um, the, on, the only time I changed the angle of view is, uh, well, I guess the last day I showed you, uh, well, I had a prime on one, one, one camera. Right. And I had a, um, uh, a smaller focal length uh, angle of view lens uh, on, yeah. a, on the second camera. Because some some shots I was getting when the planes are up in the air and and a reasonable focusing distance, and that that was fine. And then they decided we were very close to the runway, and then they decided to come in. And suddenly I I, I had a lens on my camera that I couldn't use because I was missing the plane completely. So I had to switch rapidly between one and the other. Um, so so that's problematic too, though. That's that's a problem. Because now you're carrying two cameras with two lenses. True. Not to say that I haven't done that. Well, you put one on a tripod and uh, yeah. on a gimbal, and you step away from the gimbal and take the other shots as, right. as necessary. But. but I think it comes down again, because I've certainly uh, done that, one body with a 16 to 35 yep. and one with the big zoom lens. Yep. And I can cover, you know, the statics. Mm-hmm. And I can cover the flybys. Yep. And it worked great. But if I was shooting sports. No changing. I'm not changing. You know, I've got a really nice 120 to 300 zoom um, that I got specifically for hockey. And yet when I look at my Lightroom catalog, I'm rarely shooting it anything other than 300. Right. 
And I may still be cropping in a little bit because of where I'm allowed or was allowed to be to make photographs at these hockey games Mm. because I didn't have the credentials to be shooting at the glass or through the holes in the glass. I was backed up a bit. So the zoom was fine even when I wasn't zooming. Now, if I take my 300-2.8 prime, what's the difference? It's actually a little lighter. Okay. Same focal length, same maximum aperture. Not as complicated. But what happens if I'm too close? Right. I have no other place have no to, other go. to go. I would have to have another body with another lens, or I'd have to do the lens sw- swap dance. Right. And for me, the more I have to do that as tenure increases, the greater the probability that gravity may step in and tell me once again that it always wins. (laughs) Yes, well, that's true. So if you were to distill this all down, so what, what would, in your opinion, be the current status of owning a prime lens B? Well, I've thought about this um, because I'm not a mirrorless shooter. Right. And the future is mirrorless. Yep. Uh, I mean, Canada said they're not building any more DSLRs. After the 1DX Mark III, which is our, which has been out for over a year, mm-hmm. that's the last one. Right. Everything that they're going to make is mirrorless. And I could use my existing Canon EF glass on a mirrorless body. Right. With an adapter. But if I was going to start over, I'd be starting with something that's smaller and lighter because I shake more now. Right. The arthritis is there more now than it was 25 years ago I'd probably do Olympus and that means I'd be starting fresh right and if I was starting fresh except for the macro which I do 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 I would buy nothing but zooms okay because they're fast enough optically for the stuff I need to do. They're ver- more versatile than carrying a sack of primes. Mm-hmm. In the end, that will cost me less for a multifaceted zoom lens versus a bag of primes, however good they are. And they're very good. To your point, the Olympus lenses or the Panasonic Leica lenses, they're all excellent. But I don't need to carry all that stuff. Right. And my thoughts are that that's probably true for most people. Right. Am I losing anything? Only if I was going to be doing a lot of shooting in low light. You know, if I was a big street photographer, and I'm not. Right. Maybe I'd be looking at something in the 1714 type of range if one even exists, because my go-to lens for street when I did it was a 35-1.4 right. 
on Leica, which is a very small body anyway. Right. But I look at how many photographs like that I've made in the last 10 years, and it's not that freaking many. Right. So, if for my use cases, zooms are going to serve me well. It's reasonable for anybody to say, what's going to serve me best for what I photograph? I think that's probably the crucial question people need to ask. Of themselves. Of themselves. Not of the review site or the, you know, the guy who got a lens from ABC company and then wrote a big review on the internet saying how great it is. Right. Because I'm sorry, I don't believe you. <laughs> you got it for nothing. You're basically a paid advertiser. Right. What do they call that on Instagram? An influencer. Right. Right. You don't actually have to do stuff. You just have to... Talk about it like you do. What about you? Um, I think macro is my predominant usage. Mm-hmm. Um, my 300 F4, I, I love the lens. Uh, I use it for all my bird photography and stuff, and yep. and I and I do love it, but I have recognized that there are limitations. And every now and again, I find myself considering that uh, Olympus has another. They have a hundred to four hundred, which makes it a two hundred to eight hundred in real terms. That's half the size, half the weight, slower. Yeah, I believe it's a five six. I think. Uh, five six to six point three, so it's got a got a movable. But sometimes I say to myself, you know, it would be nice to be able to get this shot without this weight and without having to jiggle myself around to make sure that I am in an optimum position for this particular shot. So I I love the love the F four. But it wouldn't take much, I think, for me to switch to the 100 to 400 for that particular photography. And and it's $1,000 cheaper. Well, then there's some <laughs> tangible benefits to that. Yes. You know, I, I'm not fully cognizant of all the lenses available today in the micro four-thirds, but what you're describing, that'd be a no, that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. It really is. And then if you put a teleconverter on it and you're prepared to put that on a tripod. Then you're rocking. Well, bring the moon out. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So I think pretty much, for me, pretty much macro is is a prime. I do have a uh, 25mm 1.8, which is your nifty 50. Yeah. And uh, if I'm just going walking and I want to, I mean, the lens is about one and a half inches wide deep. So if I'm, if I'm just going walking and I'm looking for a light load to carry and I want to, and I know that I'm going to be just shooting, 
um, landscapes or well it close it focuses very close as well so pretty much everything from uh, uh, if if I'm looking for lightweight and a lens that will cover the ge- general gamut of things I will carry that lens I love the way it looks and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's my imagination or no. reality but well it very closely approximates the angle of view of the human eye. Right. It feels very comfortable. Right. So if I'm looking to if I'm looking to carry that, then then yes, that's that's the other area. But if anything else where I think things are going to be changing, I go to my travel to one hundred. That that's got pretty much everything I'm likely to cover in an average day. See, that uh, sounds that sounds time. ideal to to me because um, we both have a friend, Doug. Um, and he and I have the same one lens to serve them all. Right. No, it's it's big because it's full frame, but I've taken that 28 to 300 Canon, mm-hmm. so there would be like a 14 to 150. Right. Which I believe Olympus has. Yep. And that's been my one lens to rule them all. Right. A lot. Like if you're photographing from a helicopter, and I have, right. that lens was killer because you had wide angle, you had moderately long telephoto. Right. Yeah, you couldn't use a teleconverter on it. I didn't care. Right. But I also didn't have to carry anything else. You know, it yeah. does have a tripod foot, which I took off. Right. Because it's the one lens. And I could go around all day with it, and it never bothered me. Right. So I think that there is a value proposition today that makes zoom lenses a greater value proposition for most people than they have ever been. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can get fairly wide-ranging zoom lenses today. the, The range of is... I I figured out that with three three lenses and a teleconverter. So my current kit, if I'm going out, even if I'm going out for a protracted period of time, I carry my seven to fourteen, which is fourteen to twenty-eight. Yep. Then I carry my twelve to one hundred. Yep. Which covers that whole middle ground. And I take my 40 to 150, which I'm using less and less in that configuration. Mm-hmm. But I put a 1.4 teleconverter on it, and now I'm going covering from uh, 56, so 112 to 420. Seems pretty reasonable. I, uh, yeah. You know, in my, it's been a couple of years since I had the opportunity to shoot Olympic, Olympus as an evaluation. And I would be very similar. I'd be looking at that. The 714 is gorgeous. It's a wonderful lens. It, it, it is. I love it. The 12 to 100, I would agree. And I would probably look at this new 1400 with a teleconverter. Yep. And then if I found I couldn't do something close enough, they have a really nice 60 macro. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't cost anything. It's relatively inexpensive for it's what it does. It's very cheap. 
and it's very sharp because I have shot that lens. So now if I was doing full frame, I'd probably look at the same sort of thing, right? Yeah, I think the, 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 range, the range would be about the same. Yeah, I'm looking, you know, 14 to 16 at the bottom end. Something to the 120, 105, and then a 1 to 400. Yep. And I'd be good. For most things. I mean, For if you, most you know, things. If you want to go chasing leopards and stuff, that's a whole different category. Yeah, but if I can afford to go chasing leopards, I can probably figure out another option. Yes. But for most situations, that's pretty much got to cover. Yeah. So thanks, Gordon. I, I think that we've done what we had hoped to do, which was to disabuse folks of some of the myths that say zooms can be inadequate. Without saying that primes are bad, but to encourage people instead, what do you need to do? What angles of you support your use cases best? Right. And keep it simple. As simple as possible, but no simpler. Right. The, I guess the only only caveat I throw into that though is, if you're going to go this route and you have qualms about the sharpness of the lens, spend the extra money to get a good lens because in the long run it'll probably be cheaper than trying to buy six of the others. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I'm, your reproduction is going to be excellent. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been down the third party route. Uh, sometimes great success. My Sigma 120 to 300 is a really great lens. Yep. Tamron's got good lenses. Tamron's got a very good 150 to 6. So does Sigma. But I would probably try to stay in the manufacturer's line as long as the price wasn't ridiculous. Right. Because then I know it's all going to work. Now, I've shot the Tamron 150 to 6. I couldn't find anything wrong with any of the images. And I've shot every lens that Sigma made up until a year and a half ago. Right. Including their cinema lenses. And they're great. But I would be, if I could, I would stick with whatever the maker was. Right. And again, if I were starting over, I'd be going with a Micro Four Thirds camera body. Because of the weight benefit. Right. And then I've got a great set of choices in Olympus lenses or those Panasonic Leica lenses, mm -hmm. which are really, really good. Great. Anything we, are, we think we've missed? Well, probably, but uh, probably nothing that anybody else wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. All right, thanks, everybody. We appreciate you listening in um, and coming back to join us after the break. Um, for the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, I'm Russ. And I'm Gordon. And we will speak to you again soon.